Hey there, enjoying SBO Perspectives? Make sure to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. In the official podcast of ASBO International. That's right, the official podcast of ASBO International. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell, here along with the esteemed... John Bricado. And so listeners, I have to tell you, we have a real, real nice guest today. Um, some may know you, may know him. Um, you know, he's over here on our coast. But um, John, if you don't mind, let the listeners know who, who that person is. Absolutely. We have Bob Saul on today. Bob is the business administrator and board treasurer at the East Penn School District located in Pennsylvania. Bob was on the podcast in a small little sliver with the editorial advisory committee when we were at Fazbear International a few months ago. But today we wanted to bring him on solo because he's what we consider an expert in long range financial planning and capital planning. And it's such a crucial piece to our work we thought it would be best to bring him on and just kind of extrapolate as much as we could out of Bob to let all of us and our listeners know the importance of long range planning and everything that yeah. goes into and is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I was excited to, to bring him on and to kind of talk through it. So uh, he goes into a lot of impressive detail, how he started really from not much to what he has today and just kind of mm-hmm. takes us through the roadmap to get there. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Bob. Today on the podcast, we have Bob Saul. Bob is the business administrator and board treasurer at East Penn School District located in Pennsylvania. Bob, welcome back on the podcast. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, we had you with the uh, EAC uh, a few months ago. Yes, good times. Yeah, that was great times. <laughs> yeah, but we're glad to be able to kind of peel you away and to, and to speak with you on a, a you know, few interesting subjects that we, we wanted to delve into. Absolutely, because as with anyone else, uh, we know you're an expert in the space we're going to discuss on today. So um, we're really glad that you're on. Uh, we're really appreciative of that. So, um, you know, as you've heard on the podcast in the past, uh, just kicking off, we like to get a sense of our li- for our listeners uh, who's on. And so if you don't mind introducing yourself and um, let you know our folks know pretty much your background, your experience, and I guess your journey as an SBL. Sure. Thank you. Yes. Um, so I got involved in, in school finance in 1999, um, sort of on a whim, saw a posting with a school district and applied from a completely different industry and um, was hired as the assistant business manager in a, a small rural Pennsylvania school district and um, served for about two and a half years as the assistant business manager and the business manager moved on. So I was very fortunate to move into that role um, in 2002 and served in that school district until um, 2016. So in total, I served 17 years in that in that district, which wow. I feel like is sort of long for uh, a tenure in a single district. Um, so then in uh, 2016, I moved to my uh, current school district, East Penn School District, here in the eastern part of Pennsylvania. We're just north of um, Philadelphia, adjacent to Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, during my and and again, I've been here, you know, now about seven years. Um, But during that um, school business journey, I identified very early that it was important to become involved and participate with um, our associations, both at the regional, state, and and international level. So 
I attended my first ASBO International Conference in 2002. It was like one of the first things I did, which was great. Um, sort of got quickly immersed into the culture. Um, but in in 2008, I ran for and was successful um, at getting on the our, our state affiliate, which we refer to as PASBO, the PASBO Board of Directors. So I served a three-year term and then went off for um, two years and actually then served a second non-consecutive term on the PASBO Board. Very and nice. And then um, was elected vice president. And we have a progression. You know, once you're elected vice president, you progress. And um, served as president of our state affiliate 2018-19 and then um, was extended an extra year because of the COVID pandemic. So in total, I served um, our organization, our state affiliate organization, 11 years over a 13-year period. So it was a, wow. a long, intensive um, um, process of serving. And then, you know, sort of after getting off uh, the board, and we were, you know, again, it was post-pandemic at that point, um, I sort of turned, went in two other directions. One, I, I started to get more involved with ASBO International and some committees. And as you referenced earlier, the Editorial Advisory Committee, um, which is which is a lot of fun and an excellent uh, committee to be on. But I also sort of turned, um, you know, recognizing the turnover in our profession, went more grassroots and sort of more local in our county, you know, getting business manager meetings at the county level. Um, you know, we have several people using similar software, so using, uh, you know, software user groups and really trying to help the new people in our profession. Um, because I remember when I was there and there was a significant need to sort of get immersed in, in, in the school finance culture. So that's, that's, that's where I am now. Yeah, that, that's a great career. And I love your level of involvement. Are you seeing a, a big swath of new business officials in your area? I mean, there are there a large a lot of retirements and a lot of new people kind of backfilling those or what's it kind of look like in Pennsylvania? Yeah, the, the turnover is significant. Um, while I was uh, on the board of our state our affiliate, we started an interim program that places interims and the need is so great that our state affiliate can't even fill um, the vacancies with interims that they have available, which are essentially wow. retirees who are going back in. So um, yeah, districts are just really struggling to find, um, you know, school, you know, leaders in school finance. Um, you know, I, it's not only the leaders we see that I think in the business offices and, and, you know, it just seems like the pipeline is, um, I don't want to say it's dry, but it's, it's a difficult uh, process right now for finding people for, I would say all the positions, but especially the leadership positions. Yeah. I mean, you and I were just talking offline before we got started that, you know, just, finding people in the business office and retaining them is becoming increasingly challenging too. So, um, I, you know, I, glad to hear you're having the same issues and it's not just isolated to, to it's, us, everywhere. it's still tough. It's still tough. Yeah. It's um, a little bit of job security, right? <laughs> right at least we, we have, uh, you know, some jobs yeah. to pick from if we want to bounce around. But, right. Mm -hmm. Right. So Bob, we wanted to bring you on today because you are really an expert in comprehensive and long range financial planning and, Personally, for me, that's one of, if not the most favorite part of my job is the long range financial and capital planning components. I'm really excited to have you on today to kind of speak about that a little bit. But before I dive into it too much, when did you really kind of jump into your long range financial planning and your comprehensive capital planning? I mean, what what kind of really sparked your interest? Yeah. So for the first six or seven years of my career, um, you know, it was sort of the year-to-year -year budget process, you know, developing a, a budget, you know, um, 
um, sort of addressing the immediate needs. And there, there wasn't a lot of focus on that long-term or long-range look. Um, and then in about somewhere between year six and eight, the Great Recession occurred. And, you know, it was sort of this um, perfect storm of financial woes because we had, you know, declining revenues. Um, that was the first economic stimulus injection that we had experienced. Um, so dealing with that, um, our, that district in particular had some major renovation needs in terms of facilities. Um, our technology had not been refreshed for many years. And there was so we are, our technology infrastructure was sort of, um, ex, you know, experiencing problems. Um, and, and we also had a sharp increase in our, our state pension obligation that the school district had to pay. So there were all of these financial needs and there wasn't the, you know, there wasn't the revenue to, to continue to support that. And so I, I learned very quickly that we really need to take a long range look and be prepared for whatever might come at us. You know, sure. I think if you're looking long range, you can be you can be better prepared, right? Like absolutely, things come yeah. up that that we need to navigate. But I think when you start to start to look at life cycling and um, plan for the future, you can better deal with those things as they come up. So yeah, it was sort of early in my career, and 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 starting at that point, it was like, well, we need to start to develop this plan, um, which I'd love to go into a little more if that's yeah yeah that's yeah, where where we're hanging. So. Bob, you know, if you could maybe explain your process, um, you really much, how do you approach this overall comprehensive financial planning? You know, maybe a, a brief overview. And then also just in me thinking what this entails and what goes into it, how do you prepare numbers, you know, for unexpected expenses or like what's the difference here that you'd say between what you're doing versus the budgeting aspect to get more clarity behind it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Let me just unpack that a little bit. Um, and and I want to sort of start in, in, and share my journey in terms of this, because that way, if there's listeners who, you know, maybe new in their career, um, who yeah, say, sure. okay, well, how do I go about this? Like, where do I get started? So I remember the, the, the very first thing that we did was pretty simple. Um, but we had a, an evaluation done of all the roofs of all our buildings, because, you know, our, our, our sort of thought was, if we can't keep everything inside dry, um, then what's the, you know, what's yeah, why the value bother purchasing new equipment if it's just going to get saturated? <laughs> exactly. So it was a simple, it was a simple thing that we could do, but, you know, we came up with a life cycling um, plan for just the, the district roofs. And then we started to look at built um, district systems and, um, you know, athletic fields and all the things that, you know, have a routine, um, refresh cycle that need to occur. And we just really started to, 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 you know, document that and develop it and come up with a plan. Um, and then, you know, we looked at our, our debt service and, you know, when did that, when did, when were we retiring some of our debt? When were there opportunities? Um, we looked at our, our capital, um, our capital reserves, you know, money that we could set aside for, uh, future needs and, you know, where were we and where did we want to be? So, it was not at all sort of a snap our fingers and, hey, we have this great plan. It was truly a, a an ongoing process. And I will say I, I continue, you know, each year we add just a little bit more and develop it a little bit more. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that because I've presented on long range financial planning for a really long time. And I one of the biggest 
most common questions I get is where do you find the time to do all of it? Because we, between building the budget, managing our operations, where are you able to kind of shoehorn this whole comprehensive plan into your day? And it's exactly what you said. It's building it incrementally over the years. I mean, I remember starting with a blank Microsoft Word document to what I have now, which is, you know, multiple, multiple pages, but that just wasn't developed in one year. That was incremental over the years. I mean, there was a point in time where I didn't have a capital component to it. There was a point in time where I didn't have fund balance projections. It was just kind of incrementally mm-hmm. grown over the years. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, you know, why do I think that long-term financial planning is is important? You know, I think that given our structures as as local government agencies or school districts, um, and, you know, we have boards, and I feel like boards come with priorities that are focused more on the here and now than where are we going to be in the future. It, uh, combined with what we were talking about earlier, the regular turnover of, of not only school business leaders, but administrative staff in general of school districts, um, it, it, it sort of lends itself to this lack of continuity and the need for um, that long-range planning. And I really think it's up to the, you know, us as school business officials to, to lead that charge. Um, and I recognize that, you know, as I, as I don't remember if we talked about this offline or so far on the podcast, but, you know, the challenges of other, um, other states, if you will, to, to do this, because, you know, I've, I've talked to peers across the country, as well as some of, listen to some of your other guests talk about the challenges they have with setting aside reserves and they're, they're, they're severely limited in what they can do. And, so I, I guess what I can say about that is I'm in a state that fortunately we can set aside reasonable reserves to do this type of, you know, sort of planning set aside and, and be able to address things as they, you know, as they come up. Mm-hmm. How about when it comes to priorities? Like how do you, you know, determine them? And I guess maybe how do you really stay up to date to what's going on out there? Yeah, I, I feel like in financial planning or long-term financial planning, um, you know, I think priorities are more of a, a short term, like they're developed more short term and then mm-hmm. we adapt to them in the long term. So, you know, we have I've developed over many years a, a, a financial planning tool, um, which is a sort of a fancy, fancy way of saying um, an Excel workbook. But, um, you know, that we use and update regularly through our budget process so that we can evaluate the long-term effects of our short-term decision-making. So I think, you know, priorities are sort of driven year by year in education, but mm-hmm. the, the long-term planning are those bigger things that we need to consider, our facilities, our technology infrastructure, our debt service, um, our labor contracts, our benefits and our benefit contracts, right? Those, those really big overarching things um, that will continue to be there year to year um, I don't know that, um, you know, our benefit contracts are, are a priority um, other than when we see significant cost increases and we have to deal with that. I think, you know, the educational priorities, again, are sort of a year-to-year focus. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate the fact that you mentioned that you use it continuously throughout the year, especially with the budgeting process, because that's another thing that has come up in in my career is people just oftentimes create a plan in maybe January and stick it on a shelf and then kind of revisit in a year. It's To me, that's yeah. not a good use of, of a plan. You're not really using it. You're just creating a document to say we did it and then stick no, that's, it on a shelf. That's true, John. That's key. You know, you want to, I'm sure you do this, John. You want to align your goals, right? Yeah. 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 Because if it's not aligned, then, you know, it's like you said, it goes on a shelf. 
Yeah. And, and, and so, Bob, when you're putting a plan together, when you're looking in the out years, obviously the data becomes more speculative as you go out. But are you trying to project a balanced budget or what is kind of your main goal when you're looking at kind of 30,000 feet when putting a plan together? Yeah, I think what, what we try to do is is not necessarily project the, the balanced budget, but project a reasonable expectation of the future, right? And that may not be a balanced budget. I mean, that may, um, again, we're trying to look at the long-term impact of our, of our current decisions, you know, and I want to demonstrate to the board that if we hire too much staff, which is a recurring cost this year, there could be an impact in future years. And that impact could be a tax increase of X percent because we may have other cost increases in future years. An example that comes to mind is um, we outsource our transportation and our contract expires this year. And we're hearing from our transportation uh, contractor as well as others that they're having labor issues, which I can relate to because we see it in our district. And we've had yeah. to go back to our labor unions and um, you know, open up contracts in order to make those positions more attractive uh, financially. And so we're hearing that you know, it could be 15 to 20, maybe 25% increase for our transportation contract. And again, that's something we need to anticipate because if you yep. layer in something else, and don't anticipate that cost, sure, um, we're going to find ourselves trying to figure out where we come up with that. Mm -hmm. And that's another great point too, because that 25% increase five years ago, you probably weren't even thinking of that or that being on your radar. So I'm wondering, does anybody ever kind of look back at what your projections were and say, you know, you were spot on, you were right off. I mean, is there any stock taken in what was projected versus what actually kind of played out? Because I think one of the more important things is that we're only as good as the data we have right now. Things Correct. are going to change. Who's who's going mm -hmm. to anticipate a 25% increase on a transportation contract? Yeah. I think in terms of looking back, you know, I, I, I do that. I'll call it a, a soft look back, um, especially at year end, because I want to see where were my variances? You know, why, why did we end up where we were as opposed to where we should have been? In, in what I will share is in our in the planning tool that we use, I show five years of actual history as mm -hmm. well as like the current year budget and then our projection for this year. So even in the current year, we can look and see, well, here's where we thought we were going to be when we developed the budget 18 months ago. But here's mm -hmm. where now we're anticipating we're going to be. And, you know, there could be a big variance there just because of, right. sort of unanticipated things. And then we show, you know, the five years into the future. Have you ever had to make like really tough decisions when it comes to putting out projections because as John just alluded to, these increases could be higher. And when you mentioned ahead, uh, but then knowing how much you're projecting for revenue, you may not have that money. So then again, how do you put out something that may have negatives right down the line? And honestly, as John was just saying, look back and say, well, you forecasted negatives, but it wasn't negative, right? It was we really had the money. Well, in this case, because of the ESSER, right? I would say otherwise we probably would have deficits. I'd say a lot of us. Um, but I'm just curious, Bob, when it comes to making those difficult decisions about your analysis, right? Is there anything special you do to make sure that, you know, you can't really account for everything, but you don't want to do too much? You follow? Yeah, I think in terms of our analysis, right, we... we we try to make data decision, um, data dis driven decisions where possible. And mm -hmm. so for some things, you can project a trend line 
and say, okay, well, here's where we predict, predict we're going to be. For other things, I think we go back to labor contracts and say, okay, what, you know, what were the trends? What might we anticipate future trends to be? Um, but I'm very, you know, I'm very sort of honest and transparent with the board and say that, you know, some of our predictions are really based on the, um, sorry, based on the, the best professional judgment of the, of district leadership, right? Because okay. some things I, I can look at and say, well, here's what I, here's the pattern I see occurring. And my best professional judgment is this is what's going to happen. And, and I can explain that, but I, but somebody could argue the point, and 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 I'm okay with that. And and we've had those discussions with the board. Um, but you know they've hired me to be the, the financial leader. I'm the person who's talking to um, whether it's contractors or financial advisors or um, and getting that data. And so um, you know, again, trying to be honest, truthful, and transparent with the board. I feel like sure. generally there's that respect there, and and they. Um, at the end of the day, we'll respect the, 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 what's been put forth. Certainly. Yeah. And I mean, you're working in probabilities too. I mean, there's a, you can be contrarian, but I mean, if it's a low probability, there's no point in trying to build a plan off of that small chance of something happening. Uh, but we've talked a lot about the what with long range financial planning, but can you talk to us about who? I mean, is it just Bob Saul in a black box? pumping out this stuff or, or is it, you know, you're working with your superintendent, your board, your business office, who, who's involved in the, the planning process? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. And I, you know, I, I, I said we several times and I, I appreciate the opportunity to expand on who we is, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's the leader district leadership is really key because I don't know the life cycle of facilities. I don't know, you know, the life cycle of technology and when we're going to need the next server or wireless infrastructure or, closet infrastructure. Um, so it's, it, I really rely on the, the leaders of each department, um, to, to bring that information. We sit down, we look at it, we review it. I have an upcoming meeting again with our technology, uh, director to, to talk about, um, the big things that are coming up. I mean, technology is an area where admittedly we haven't really focused, you know, we focused on life cycling, our one-to-one, -one, uh, program for our student and, and, and staff devices. And we, you know, that's all worked out and that takes care of itself, but we've, we haven't really looked at our, our infrastructure and, um, you know, the, the significant cost now of firewalls and, you know, that all of the things that we need for security. So we're, we're now working on developing the technology piece to go beyond, again, the, the, the curriculum technology to the backbone saying, okay, how do we deal with these costs? Um, recently I've used this line a couple times, but, um, I like to say that volatility is the enemy of a budget and predictability is its friend, right? So when, when we can predict things, budgets can, can run along very smoothly, but it's that volatility. And, and when all of a sudden, like, oh, wow, we need a new, um, our wireless access, point, access points have failed and we need to replace them all because they're, they're well, we, we really can't deal with that effectively. Um, sir, we have hopefully reserves in our budget and we can go to that. But the reality is we're just making that up the next year because we've spent out of our reserves. Right. Um, and so it's, you know, trying to eliminate that that volatility. I know I got a little off 
course there, but no, this no. is good. Wow. Everybody, everybody. I like the- that line, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That I'm might be the that title time. right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but really everybody, uh, all the district leadership is key. You know, we, we mm-hmm. rely on our building principals to provide feedback to our facilities director about what they're seeing there in their facilities every day, you know? Um, so again, everybody is key to this process and, and it sort of builds up and culminates and, and, you know, the, the final product. Awesome. Well, Bob, this has been so great uh, to have you on on one-on-one with you, myself uh, and John. I got to tell you, this is really an awesome episode. And uh, with that, you know, as we wrap up and conclude, uh, there is one question I do have. Are you sending out any more Bethlehem bars? <laughs> oh. You know the Bethlehem bars were so great out there. And I got to tell you, I took one home. The family <laughs> loved it. And I got to find another one. But um, but on a serious tip, though, we'll talk about that offline. I wanted to just make sure you do offer that piece of advice, right, for all of our listeners. You know, um, at the end, we just ask, you know, for anybody new or seasoned that's listening as SBL, what would you provide for advice? Yeah, thank you. And, and I'm actually going to close similar to the way I opened. Um, okay. My advice, and this is really to um, newer SBOs, um, but maybe some experienced SBOs, like my advice is be, become involved and most importantly, build a robust network of peers. You know, local, regional, national, uh, sorry, state, national. Um, I have found that my peer network has been invaluable to my success as a school business official. Um, we all bring um, different backgrounds to, to this job. We all have different strengths. And being able to rely on that, you know, when I've had intricate accounting uh, questions, my background is not accounting, it's finance. So I have peers that I can call and ask questions about that. Some people come with more of a strength in facilities and other areas. And so I, I, my, my advice is build that strong peer network because it, it will, it will um, significantly contribute to your success as a school business official. Awesome. And we couldn't agree more, Bob. That's great advice. And I have to say, I am a little nervous now because uh, I'm presenting on purposeful long-range financial planning at the ESBO International Conference in a few weeks. And Uh I don't want to let you down. I feel like the stakes are even higher now after this interview. <laughs> and I and now I'm nervous, Bob. If you're going to be there, I don't know if I can look out into the crowd. You know? <laughs> I, I'm good excited one. to attend and I will attend. I need some, I need some, um, some, uh, credits for my SFO certification. So I'll there be doing every session I can get in. So yours is now targeted. I, oh boy. I, you know what? I know I regret saying anything. He's going to let all those Pennsylvania folks know too. They're coming in mass now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, John. Thanks, Good Bob. Stuff. Thanks. Stuff. Well, honestly, thank you so much for your time today and yes. in imparting all this great advice and just really diving into comprehensive and long-range financial planning. It's something that I feel that every district should be doing, every business official should really take a crack at because it served me very well and has paid dividends and I'm sure you could you could say the same for you. So uh, with that, Bob, thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate yes. it. Thank you, Bob. Thanks. Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed yes. our conversation with Bob today. Uh, really excited Thanks. to have him on today. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, it's, again, a topic that I love, so it's good to kind of just, you know, nerd out on that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was great. You know, I got to tell you, Bob, um, his background experience, I think, really lends to how much he puts into the detail analysis of, of what, what he does, right? The comprehensive yeah. planning is just, 
I mean, it's it's through the charts uh, from what he does. And so he's under come to your come to your session now, I so you'll be I'm aware of that, right? <laughs> um, but I gotta say, the best thing I learned about this, and I think our listeners will love too, is that volatility is the enemy of school budgets, right? And he said the and the predictability is his friend. So yeah. um, it, it really makes a lot of sense when you put it together like that. So we really appreciate him coming on, um, an EAC member. I think we had them all on now. I think we have one more to go. I, I think, know. We're just make, working our way I through think, the I crowd. Think, right? I think next one, yeah, Brian will probably be the next one. So um, And then we'll have everybody that day. But this has been great. So thank you all for listening. We appreciate you week to week. Um, and SPO Perspectives. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.